when I started, I expected to never want to share again. Um, but when I walked away or when I got to where I am now, about five years later, um, I see that there is just so much value in telling our stories. And so instead of um, shaming parents away from sharing, it's better to educate parents so that they can share safely. Welcome fellow humans to the Public and Permanent Podcast from IROC2.org, a collection of stories shared by you every week to help develop our digital consciousness, cultivating a productive, positive, and powerful global village. I am your host, Richard Gary. Let's go. I am here with Stacy Steinberg, who has a book coming out called Growing Up Shared and has a lot of interesting views on... Um, on what's called sharenting. And so as we get started today, I'm just going to ask Stacy to tell us a little bit about herself and the work that she does. And then we'll kind of dive into some, some great questions and some stories from Stacy. So Stacy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's really uh, an honor to be here with you. I went to law school back in 2000 and I graduated in 2003. I spent um, about a decade doing work um, at the state attorney's office as a prosecutor, uh, becoming a special victims unit prosecutor, handling crimes against kids. Um, and then I went on to work for the Department of Children and Families where I continued to work um, on behalf of abused and neglected children. Um, when I came to the University of Florida, Eleven College of Law uh, full-time in 2012, I had the great opportunity to be able to combine my um, my interest as a child advocate with the ability to do some writing and additional research on the issues. And that kind of led me to developing uh, the path that I'm on, which is uh, looking at how we balance children's privacy um, with, as parents, our right to talk about them on social media. Do you have, um, how many children? I have three kiddos and, um, and I love to take their pictures and I love to share about them on social media. I probably share a little bit less now that I've become um, someone who spends a lot of time researching kids' privacy online, um, but I do still share. And I think that's kind of one of the interesting things about my research is that um, when I started, I expected to never want to share again. Um, but when I walked away or when I got to where I am now about five years later, um, I see that there is just so much value in telling our stories. And so instead of um, shaming parents away from sharing, it's better to educate parents so that they can share safer. I mentioned the term earlier, sharenting. And um, for anyone who doesn't know what that term means, would you, could you describe that for us? What is, what is sharenting? Sure. Um, so in, in my mind, sharenting is the intersection of a parent's right or desire to share about their lives on social media and a child's interest in growing up free to control his or her own digital footprint. Um, and so sharenting happens, uh, if you were to use sharenting as a verb, I guess it would be um, parents sharent when they talk about their kids on social media. Um, it has kind of a bad reputation, you know, like you don't want to be a sharent, but really I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's a good thing either. I think it's just a thing that we could either do in a way that helps our kids thrive or perhaps in a way that hurts them. How can I create um, content that might actually be beneficial for, for my family? You know, really, how, how might, or maybe how have you created content that's benefited your family or is it something that we really have to be careful about? So, you know, my answer to that, I think, has been evolving so fast with the current coronavirus crisis. Mm -hmm. um, I've always thought that our family, well, maybe not always, but 
for, for a while, I have thought that families can benefit and that my family can benefit by sharing. Um, you know, for example, last year, my, um, my son was bullied for being Jewish. He, there was some anti-Semitism things that was, were going on on campus at his school. And um, it took some time for our family to figure out how to respond to it. Um, and one of the ways that we responded to it was that with his blessing, we shared about it on social media. Um, and it was a slow process. Like at first he wasn't sure if he wanted us to share and then he was okay with us sharing a little bit. Um, and then after a few weeks when the bullying got more and more intense, he was comfortable with friends of ours creating like an online petition to ask the school board to start um, a, to, to, to have more of an anti-Semitism or Holocaust awareness curriculum. Um, and uh, it picked up a lot of steam and it was amazing to watch that over uh, over 1500 people in our small community signed the petition um, wow. saying stand up for kids and you know stop hate on campus and we went to a school board meeting and the room was packed with people who knew what had happened because of the social media campaign and um and my son was sitting next to me and his plan wasn't really to speak at the meeting and at the end he decided to get up and go off script and talk to the school board himself. And when he finished talking, he said, I wasn't planning on sharing tonight, but then we shared on social media and I saw that there were people that supported me and I decided that I wanted to stand up here and say that school should be a safe place and it's not just about anti-Semitism, but that there should be no hate. I shouldn't, no one should be scared to go to school. And it was a really powerful moment that probably wouldn't have happened had he not seen that even though he felt really alone at his middle school, his community was really behind him. Um, and so that, to me, was one of the most powerful experiences for my own family about the power of narratives and the power of social media. Right, because um, it's a lot harder to have to go from person to person or start that, you know, a, a grapevine of what happened. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of different details might, might get in there. You're able to, sounds like you were able to share that story clearly and directly with a great deal of people to get almost like a movement. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's excellent. And so one of the things that I thought about was this happened to your child. And so did you, you know, did you ask his permission before you posted it? And I guess that would lead me to the question of if you're a parent listening and you do post about your kids, what would you say as far as any tips or guidance to parents who do post about their kids as far as asking their permission first? Is that something that we should be thinking about more as parents? Yeah, absolutely. So I think even in the best use of social media, we need to talk to our kids first about sharing. Um, one of my colleagues once reminded me um, that, you know, kids have an interest in privacy that's not just about keeping negative things away from the public eye, but kids might want nothing shared, whether negative or positive, and we need to be able to respect those wishes. You know, once something is out there, it, it's out there. This is true, public and permanent. And it's very hard, especially in today's age of connectivity, to kind of put it back in the bag. So I think that as parents, one of the things that I see often is that we just assume that if it's good news, it's free game to share. Mm -hmm. um, but even that, I think kids benefit by being asked if they're okay to, to put it out there. Um, you know, it's like the, the, you go to the grocery store and you run into a colleague or an acquaintance and your kids with you and they say, congratulations, I heard you got an A on your spelling test. It's really <laughs> awkward for a kid who doesn't know that person, you know, it, but if mom has said to them or dad said to them the other day, hey, you did so well, can we tell everybody about this? 
then it's a little bit less awkward. Um, and I think it also kind of helps kids understand public and private boundaries. You know, if strangers are coming up to them knowing intimate details about their personal life, it's going to be really hard for them to kind of establish like who's a safe person and who's not. Stacy's example here with the grocery store is really important. You know, teens can be self-conscious as it is, so imagine a complete stranger walking up to them and talking to them about something private like a grade on a test. That can definitely be overwhelming and even embarrassing. I often advise parents when I'm consulting or doing a live presentation, it's never a bad idea to ask your kids first before you post something, just like Stacy's saying here. Because at the end of the day, if my parents ever walked through my middle school or my high school with like the family photo album open, I would be ticked. So imagine what kids are dealing with today when so much of their lives is being posted online and so much of it they don't even know is happening. Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent example, the grocery store, because you're right. I mean, all of a sudden you have a teenager who can sometimes be self, self-conscious self as it is, all of a sudden a complete stranger is talking to them about something private. Yeah, I mean, that can be very, very upsetting. I mean, that's a great example. That would actually lead me to another thought I had, which was, let's say that, you know, we are sharing about our kids online. You know, in this case, we're talking about sharing that, that exam um, result. Are there any are there any details that maybe we should not be sharing? Even even as proud as we might be of our kids, is there is there information that you think could be risky to share? Some things that as parents, even if we had our kids' permission to share, maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it changes with the age of the child. You know, I think that I, I'm having a hard time thinking of something that's really positive that if the child wanted to share, that it wouldn't be okay to share. But I think that if if the child is young, we have to think of what does their okay really mean. Right. Um, my my middle child is a gymnast, right? And he would love for me to share every single thing that he does successfully with ev- with everyone, all of his gymnastics routines. Um, and I do share his gymnastics routines with my with the people that I know on Facebook, but I don't share them on Twitter because I know that there are people who might see those images and might use them for negative purposes. Does that make sense? Like, yep. like and, and I guess it could still happen on my Facebook page, but my calculus is a little bit different. So I might share something um, with people that I consider being closer to that's really positive. And even though that same information is super positive, I might not share that. Um, with strangers and Twitter, I think of as more people who don't know me or people, things that can go viral a lot quicker. Um, but anything can go viral. You know, if I post a picture with just a few close friends, other people can download and share it in a lot of different ways. And, um, and I've seen a lot of uh, cute baby pictures, you know, chubby babies that their pictures have been used for memes. And it's like, did they really give consent for that? I mean, even though the picture was adorable, the parent intend for it to be saved and then made into, you know, a fat joke, for example. I mean, I think that's pretty horrible, even though it might be an adorable baby. Right. Stacy makes an important point here. Oftentimes I tell parents that if you're going to post a picture, it's really important that you try and evaluate the level of risk that that picture will bring. Oftentimes we find the picture that we think is adorable can be made into a meme, can be shared outside of our inner circles. There are lots of places it can go once it's online. So the question we have to be asking ourselves before we post a picture of our child is, what level of risk am I willing to incur? And furthermore, how might this picture affect their life and their legacy, both offline and digital? Any pictures that maybe we should think twice about sharing? Anything that, you know, I mean, to your point, we're not realizing could be created into a meme or taken out of context or maybe shared in areas of the web we don't want to see our kids shared 
any any thoughts on maybe some kinds of pictures we might want to hold off on sharing and maybe you know texting it directly to a, to a loved one if we really want them to see it yeah, I, I think that so many pictures can be used in malicious ways, um, whether it's um, pictures of kids in any state of undress that can be shared and reused in ways that we don't intend. Um, I also think that, that you could have um, situations where um, a, a paper that I wrote about two years ago was on something, a horrible thing called morphed child pornography, which I think is a lot, it's, it's similar to the deep fake issues that we see where an innocent image of a child is morphed and created into a pornographic image with you know, either a simulated body of an adult or, um, or another you know, child, uh, Im image of child pornography or, or, or all sorts of different things. And then those pictures can be shared across various platforms. So really parents need to be aware that anytime they put an identifying picture, identifying meaning a child's face or some identifying characteristic, it could be used in a way that can harm them. And we really don't know what the te what technology is going to be able to do with facial recognition and, and identification years into the future. And so we are constantly taking a risk by posting about our kids online. I think the issue is what is the benefit and how do you kind of do the the risk the risk benefit calculus? Um, one of the places I see that the most is with um, kids who are, are sick. Um, uh, one of the th reasons that I got into this line of work um, or this line of research is because um, in my spare time, I'm a photographer and um, I take a lot of pictures or I used to take even more, but I offer free photography services to families that have kids who are battling chronic, chronic medical issues, who have uh, some kids that have cancer, some kids that are spending a lot of time in the hospital. And my goal in taking the pictures was to show the beauty and the joy and the love in the families kind of behind the IV poles and despite the diagnosis. Um, and I really loved getting to know the families. I think the pictures were really helpful to the families and, and also to the community. It raised, they raised awareness and, and they connected us to one another. Um, and I have no regrets for taking those pictures. But I also realized that by sharing those pictures, obviously with the family's blessings, I was also sharing personal medical information about kids with family consent, but not necessarily with the child's consent. Um, and so it kind of comes back to that calculus. I think that the calculus of the benefit that the family got by sharing outweighed the harm of sharing that personal information. But that calculus might change if you were sharing, you know, uh, other medical information or if you were sharing about an older child or or just kind of what your how you balance privacy safety and community right and i guess you know another thing that can happen in photos is interpretation or misinterpretation there's no context yeah um it's very common for us to um we support different political candidates or issues and we put our kids in shirts that support that political candidate or that issue and we give them a sign and we stand on the side of the road supporting it you know there's a there's a role for us as parents to try to shape our kids you know political views or moral views absolutely but um jeffrey shulman who's a, um, a, a law professor he said something like um um that power becomes despotic when kids are given no real opportunity to believe other beliefs or to have other values. Um, and I'm misquoting him a little bit, but the idea behind it is that we, in, in my mind, at least how I interpret it, it's such a powerful thought that nowadays when we indoctrinate our kids with our beliefs and our values and we do it in a public way, like online or on social media, it could limit their ability to kind of form their own views or to, to 
put their own views out there when they become adults. So for example, you know, if, um, if our family is like super, you know, into one political party and our kids, you know, grow up and decide that they support the other political party and they want to run for office, well, we've created an indelible digital footprint of our child by putting them in that shirt that ended up, you know, on our social media feed that got saved somewhere. Now, there's benefits to sharing it. So, so there's benefits to doing it. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that we need to think fully through what it is that we're doing before, before we take part in it. So, um, so that's kind of one, one example. Um, there was a picture that I saw of um, around the holidays, a picture of a family of five, a mom, a dad, a little boy, and two girls. And the mom and the daughters all had gags around their mouths and their hands were tied. And the little boy would have had a sign that said, um, finally, we can have peace on earth. And dad had a thumbs up. And it was like a very, um, some people thought it was a funny picture, but to me, it was like a really horrifying picture. And it really creates a digital footprint for those kids that they might grow up to disagree with. Right. I mean, that could not be a better example of <laughs> a picture that can be taken in so many different ways and contexts. Um, I, I share your opinion. I, I would be especially, you know, having a family, a wife and a daughter, seeing a picture like that. And I guess maybe it's because of the world that I live in. I mean, I wouldn't interpret that as a, as a funny picture. Right. You know, there's a lot of different, right. There's a lot of different things that go through my head when you, as soon as you said women gagged, you know, and, and their hands are tied, that's the world that I come from. That is not something that I want to see or what I, I would find funny. So I think that's a great story to help people understand that, you know, you have opinion of your picture, but you really need to stop and think, is there any other, you know, is there any other way that people might interpret this? Any advice that you would have for parents? to stop and think about the fact that they are, in a sense, taking ownership of their child's footprint when they're posting online. And what's some of the long-term positive or negative um, repercussions or situations that might put them in? Great question. You know, I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's something that as parents, we need to think as deeply about the digital legacy we're leaving for them as we're thinking about how we teach them to eat, how we teach them to be educated, how we teach discipline, how we teach compassion. It's, it's one of those key components of child rearing. And I think that because it's so new, it's left on the back burner. And it's not that there's one way to do it. It's not that there's one way that parents should think about their kids' digital legacy. But the message is, is parents need to think about it. And I think that right now, we're just being reactive as parents when it comes to social media as opposed to proactive. And what I what I hope that that my research helps parents do and, and what your podcast helps parents do and in, in, in your work is that we give them the tools so that they can make the most well-informed decision that they can for their family. Um, the answer isn't going to be the same for every family, and that's okay. And people can be friends and get along and do this in very different ways. But if we don't stop and think about it and talk about it and debate it, then no one wins. Then none of our kids can benefit from us looking at this in the same way that we look at so many other critical issues of, parent, of child rearing. Um, and I'd also leave your listeners with this. You know, I have a, a teenage boy now. And I'm realizing more and more that I'm not going to be able to control how he uh, interacts with people online or what it is that he chooses to share online. But I do know that in almost every other area of child rearing, I have been 
told that I need to practice what I preach and I need to lead by example and not just by words. And if I want my kids to grow up to respect the digital identities of others, if I want my kids to ask before they post pictures of other people or share information without bullying through the information that they share and, and being positive online, then I have to do it. Because if I don't respect them, if I don't ask them before posting, if I don't post with compassion, then I can't expect for them to do that when they take the reins of uh, their social media news feeds. Yeah, I mean, that could not be uh, a more important point. A lot of times what I try and tell people is if you want to walk into a room and not have other people film you and put you online, if you want them to have some empathy and kindness and stop before that thing that you, you know, they think what you're doing is funny. Um, if you want them to not take that moment that they might think is funny and put it online and potentially affect you in the short term and the long term, you know, we need a change in our thinking. And to your point, I think that change in our thinking, our kids thinking has to start at home, um, especially if they're growing up in a world where everything is being shared. And again, it's not, it's not about not sharing. It's about just understanding the types of content you are sharing and what is your process, I think before you share? Are you talking to your kids about it? Are you asking their permission? Are you thinking about the context? I think these are all things that can be taken away from everything that you're saying today so that we can set that example from a, you know, for our kids from a young age because younger and younger, they're, they're given more powerful tools and with those more powerful tools, they can more quickly take and share photos. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's just what are they taking and sharing and what are they thinking about before they do it? Again, just hearing everything you're saying today, I think because we're so new at this, um, we're not taking the time to really be thoughtful about what we're doing and not being thoughtful or realizing the impact and the lessons and the mindsets that we're developing in our, in the next generation, our children. Exactly. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. I uh, thank you because it's, that's, it's a lot of what, what you're, you're saying is, is helping, you know, hopefully helping parents understand all these things. And, and I don't think a lot of parents do, and it's nobody's fault. It's just because we are we are all new at this. I mean, we all think, you know, technology is so advanced. We're really in our infancy of where we're headed. You know, and um, so it's going to be a learning curve. So I'd love to hear more about your book, Growing Up Shared, and what we can learn from it. Sure. Um, so I'm so excited. My book, Growing Up Shared, is going to be published by Sourcebooks on August 4th of 2020. It, it, it feels so far away, but it's really only about four months out from right now. So by the time your, uh, your listeners hear this, maybe it'll be even closer. It's available um, through Amazon and anywhere else books are sold. You can pre-order it now. Um, and I think what parents will get out of it is they're going to get um, a well-balanced approach to thinking through the issues that we talked about here on your podcast today. Um, it's going to talk about the positives of sharing. It will talk about the risks of sharing. It's also a little bit memoir-based. It tells my own story about how I got into this line of research and how I've uh, kind of tried to balance uh, uh, sharenting in my own family. Um, and it also give readers, I think, some really interesting insights into the legal issues surrounding sharenting. Um, there's some really interesting cases, not recent cases, but older cases that kind of might, uh, that would be really interesting to parents to kind of see how um, parents oversharing could play out in the courts one day. You know, one of the common questions I get asked is, can kids, will kids be able to sue parents for sharing too much? Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's an important point. Imagine being sued by your child for, for defamation. I think that of all things, you know, getting slapped with a lawsuit by your, by your kid for what you posted, that, that might wake up a lot of people. 
So Stacey, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I can't wait to read your book. It was the intersection of parenting and sharing. Can you, can you say that again? Sure. Um, my book looks at the intersection of a parent's right and benefit that they get out of sharing their stories online with a child's interest in growing up able to control his or her own digital footprint. I think that that is a lesson that a lot of parents need to, to start understanding. One, it can affect their kids. And two, not just can it, it can affect their kids on what they're posting, it can also affect the way they're teaching their kids on etiquette and what they should be posting. And so I think that's a paramount lesson. I cannot wait to read the book. I think a lot of parents listening to this may be self-evaluating. And I just want to thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights with us. Thank you so much for having me today. It's my pleasure. Cheers. I just want to thank you all again for the privilege of your time. We also want to thank everybody who submitted a voicemail and email to be on the show. We are reviewing all of your stories and we will be in touch. If you like what you hear, please be sure to follow us and like us on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. You can learn more about the podcast, including how you can leave us a voicemail or an email to be on the show where people can share ideas, thoughts, stories, and support, as well as learn more about some of our featured guests and downloadable documents and other information we'll be providing as the season continues. For all of this information and more, please visit our website at www.iroc2iroc2.org forward slash podcast. Thank you all so much again for listening. I look forward to telling you more stories and hearing your stories. Remember, you're listening to this on a tool that connects you to billions of people. So use that tool to be amazing. Be well, friends. Cheers. Cheers.